It's interesting to me um, to judge my own heart in circumstances uh, like like a service like this. Uh, it's it's so important as we as we move on to the things of God and we grow in a familiarity with the Word of God and we grow in a familiarity with the working of the Spirit that um, that we are continually even in the things we're familiar with living, breathing, thinking out of the spirit rather than out of our our brain here because our brain is a wonderful thing our brain is designed by god i've heard preachers say check your brain at the door and i cringe because you know what guess what you come in here you come in here and we play a song or we're praising god and 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 we exhort you to dance we don't say check your body at the door right. right what does your body do but if your body wants to go to sleep who's the boss spirit right so if the spirit says we are going to worship God, the body does what the spirit tells it to do. So the, the spirit says we are really happy about what God's doing. So the body responds by going, I'm really happy too," and dances. And the body may say the body may say, I don't feel like it. You know, I've been so tired. I've been so worn out. I've been so, um, you know, I've been so sore this week. And the body doesn't get to call those shots. The spirit does. The spirit says it doesn't matter what you felt. We're praising the Lord. So what you do with your brain is the exact same thing. Your mind is a powerful gift. You see, without a body, Jesus couldn't have gone to the cross. Right? You say, the body's my enemy. It's my flesh. Yes, but in submission to your spirit, it's a great tool. The soul is the same way. Your mind, your will, your emotions. They may, you may say, these are my greatest enemies. My emotions are my enemy. My mind is my enemy. Yes, the, the scripture says that it sets its says that the heart is treacherous and sets itself against God. However, you watch out when you put it in subjection to Jesus Christ, you put it under subjection to your spirit. You see your spirit subjected to Christ and your soul and your body are subjected to your spirit. When you do it that way, then, of course, they come in a line. So it's important. I say that right now because in a time like this, we go by our, our brain has trenches dug by experience, right? There are trenches in our brain that have been dug by doing something a certain way over and over and over again. And if we were to leave them, the water would go to those trenches and just flow that way. If you're not if you, if you were just to put on cruise control, this is the way we've always done it. Those of you that are married know that you can't go through life that way. You can't. You, with your spouse, you can't just say I love you out of habit because you always say I love you when the eggs are done. That's just always when we say it. The eggs are done, I say I love you. Well, after a while, that I love you won't mean anything even though you're doing the right thing and you're saying the right thing. So as we experience God moving in a service, it's so important that our, our spirit continues to be the thing that leads everything else because if we don't, if we're not careful, what will happen is our brain will go back to the old trenches it's dug and say, this is different. And then these warning lights go off. Ah, 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 ah. And this is not how we normally worship God. This is not how this service is supposed to go. We did the offering and now, it's, you know, there's this section of the service. So it's so important that we keep our spirit wide open. The difficulty with that is, is that in order to keep our spirit wide open and our heart wide open, to God, we often hear that would be easy, right? We say, keep your heart open to God in a time like this, when the service is going very different than normal, you say, well, keep your heart open to God. Th that that's easy in theory, because we go, I'm OK with God. 
But when we say keep your heart open to people that God is using, that's where it gets difficult sometimes because we trust God and we're learning to trust the people that God has sent in our path. So so I, you could say, I trust God completely. I don't trust that person who's holding the microphone. Or I, I trust God completely. I don't know if I trust my spouse. I trust God completely, but I don't know if I trust my pastor. All of these things come into play. In order to trust God, you have to learn to trust the people that he's put in your life, even if they're not as trustworthy as God. And that's a matter of knowing people after the spirit and not knowing them after the flesh. Have you ever thought about the fact, you know, I can say this because I'm a pastor, but I am not pastoring the church in Loon Lake because I'm smarter than everyone there. There are people in that church smarter than me. I'm not pastoring that church because I'm more experienced. There are people more experienced than me. The reason I'm pastoring is because there was a grace given to me to pastor. The hardest thing, well, it's not the hardest thing, but a a difficult thing in the body of Christ is to look at someone, recognize that in the flesh they may not measure up to your vision of what they should be and still submit yourself to that. Now, I'm not talking about any particular, but I'm talking about all through your life. You have to do this. You have to recognize that that person that may be called up, say, uh, say called up to pray for you and you're expecting the pastor is going to pray for you. And then the pastor says, somebody else come and pray. And, And in your mind, you go, not them. They don't know what they're doing. That didn't happen tonight. Don't worry. You're thinking. I'm but that could easily happen. What we have to realize is that the scripture talks about grace being given to us for a task, grace being given to us for a ministry, grace being given to us to do whatever he called us to do. And that's entirely different than talent. That is the spirit of God. And so in order to open ourselves up to the spirit of God, which sounds great, we have to open ourselves up to the spirit of God through people, which sounds hard. Because if I open myself up to the Spirit of God, I'm expecting that He's going to speak in a low voice, kind of James Earl Jones-ish, and He's and 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 He's going to zap me with with you know the 220 volt little shock up my spine, and I'll know it's Him, and I'll fear I'll feel a tear uh, trickling down my cheek, and I'll know God is speaking to me. But often He uses people to speak to you, and you have to open your heart to those people. And so the, the way you do that is by, as, as 1 Corinthians 3 says, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5 says, that we know no man after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It said we used to know Christ after the flesh, we know Him that way no longer. In other words, judging people according to the flesh is just as bad as saying Jesus was just a great man. Because you've got to see that Christ is working through them, the Holy Spirit's working through them. They're not going to do everything right. I'm not saying you blindly follow anyone. I am saying that we keep our heart open. In fact, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You know, 2 Corinthians is is a very, um, it's a happy letter in places, but it's probably one of the saddest letters in the New Testament to me. It's got great good news in it, though. I mean, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 has taught me what to believe about giving. I know how I believe about giving and money because of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I know where I stand. I know where I stand on, on, on so many things that are... I mean, I, 2 Corinthians 5, as we just quoted, um, I mean, is that, 
that, that section is speaking about such uh, great things, about us being a new creation in Christ, about us not knowing, about us being uh, ministers of reconciliation, about us being ambassadors for Christ. That is great stuff. But all through this letter, you're also getting the sad part, which is that the Apostle Paul, this great apostle, called to the body of Christ, called to be an apostle not only to the Jews but to the Gentiles, called to be an apostle to his time but to our time as well, in a sense. He's being judged every step of the way. And if you look closely, almost the entire letter of 2 Corinthians is littered with him having to defend who he is. Isn't that sad? Who wrote the book of 2 Corinthians? Paul did, right? But who really wrote it? Holy Spirit wrote through Paul, right? God wrote the book. So we have to believe that the Holy Spirit had to take time instructing the church to honor a man that they were not honoring as an apostle. And the reason was was because you had false apostles that came in and tried to exert their authority on them. And he says, here's what false apostles do. False apostles are out to get something from you. They're out to take. They hit you. They devour you. This is the things he's calling about. These are, these are the people that come in. You know they're false when they're there to get something from you instead of there to get something to you. When they're there to abuse you rather than to encourage you, exhort you, at times rebuke you, but, but there to build you. If they're tearing down the work of God instead of building it up, you know it's a false work. Last week we talked about, about the beauty that God has put in us to edify and how that is so huge that all through our life He's building something in us and all through our lives He's building us together into a building. That the work of God is to edify, to build up. That's what edify means, to build. But the work of the enemy is, according to John 10.10, 10, to steal to kill, and to destroy. We talked about last week how the word destroy in both our English language and the original language of the New Testament means to tear apart what is built. The word destroy is the exact same word as destruct. So you think a structure is a built thing. To construct means to build. To destruct means to undo that building work. So Satan comes to steal. That's easy to understand. He comes to kill. We can get that. He comes to destroy. In other words, debuild what God has built. Well, we can't allow that. Either in our lives. How do, you, how do you allow that in your life? Well, the scripture said, Jesus said, that he sows the word into our heart. And immediately Satan comes to steal the word. Do you realize that in this service... You may have heard something that God used or seen something or experienced something that God used to build something in your life that could stand for the rest of your life. Think about everything you believe about Jesus. Everything that you believe. You either got it from reading the Bible on your own, prayer time on your own, or you, many times you hear it through a revelation, somebody preached it and God revealed it to you and opened it up to you and all of a sudden it's a truth that you stand on for the rest of your life. Well, what if tonight something was said or you saw something or you experienced something that God uses for the rest of your life in the area of, say, healing, in the area of seeking His face, all of these things. Can you imagine that He might use that? That when you're 89, you're still relying on that revelation? But you're not relying on a revelation from 
June 22nd, 2011, it's being new every time. It's being renewed and constantly revealed in a new light because God's not requiring you to live on old revelation. It's always fresh. It's always new. It's the living word of God. But that, that something could have been built that he's going to build on. Like there could be a block that was put in you, a brick that got stuck in your spirit right tonight that God uses to build other things on. Well, what's the work of the enemy? To immediately steal that, to tear down and to steal. So can you expect that if Jesus said every time a seed is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal it? Can you imagine that perhaps even tonight, tomorrow, the day after, Satan will attempt to steal what you, lear- what you heard, what you experienced, what was revealed to you tonight, attempt to take it away from you in some sense? I'm not saying he'll succeed. I'm saying he'll try. Friends, we are not to be ignorant of his schemes. He will try. You know every time we talk about love, there is an opportunity right after the service to get mad at somebody. You know, every time that we talk about, uh, about God's will for you um, to, to, to walk in, in life and that that life can even manifest in your physical body. And you know, not long after that, you have an opportunity to say, I'm going to be sick for a long time. That's the enemy destroying, destructuring what God is building. So... When he attempts to do this, we resist him. We stand firm in the faith. And we go back to the same thing that Jesus did. We resist him with the word of God. The scripture says the first thing you've got to do is submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Why? Because when you're submitted to God, you're submitted to his will. You're submitting to his thinking. You're submitted to his ways. You're submitted to his lordship. His ruling in your life and where the king is, so is the kingdom. And where the kingdom is, there's righteousness, peace and joy, right? So you submit to the king. That means, I mean, one of the ways I submit to the Lord, you say, well, how do you submit to him? One of the main ways you can submit to God is to submit to his word. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? You submit to his word and you say, I, I mean, the first thing you got to say is you're right. You're right. And if I disagree with you, I'm wrong. There's a a verse in the New Testament that says basically the same thing. It says, let God, well, it's it's first in the Old Testament. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. What does that mean? Is every man a liar? No, he's saying every man who contradicts what God says is a liar. If it comes down between God or man, God wins. So here's the thing. God is building something. And one of the ways... One of the biggest ways, guys, that, that, that the enemy tries to destruct what God has built is to have you start judging things by the flesh. Whether it's, I mean, often, so often it's that you're offended about something. You know how easy it is to get offended? Especially when the Holy Spirit is having his way. It's one of the easiest times to get offended because it's a time where your flesh and your spirit go head to head. Where the spirit is moving If you're walking according to the flesh, if you're thinking according to the flesh, you're going to have a collision. And so it's very easy to be offended, to stumble over the things of God, because what when we stumble, the scripture says it's it mainly comes. We stumble because we're disobedient to the word, but also we stumble because we have an idea of our wisdom that exalts itself against God's wisdom. I had a friend who um, 
who, who was talking about, you know, he had come from a very conservative church. And praise God, that church was doing awesome things. There were people being led to the Lord. And I, I'm very thankful for the work. But he had moved to Lloyd. And, um, it, but his church had always kind of told him that, uh, that, that, that those kind of things that go on, you know, or, you know, basically a church like ours, um, that, that, that these kind of things were wrong because God is a God of order. And that this seemed like chaos. This was disorder. And, and to me, growing up, experiencing some strange things, but good things, I, I never felt it was disorder. I never felt chaotic because you trust God and you, you know him and you learn some things. But I, I said to him, listen, I said to me, here's what it's like. It's like being put in a football field. As a total spectator who's not familiar with the game and gets stuck on a field in the middle of a play. And, and all of a sudden, blue photo two, hut, you know, they call it. And this guy goes this way, and this guy goes this way, and this guy goes this way. And you go, it's chaos, it's chaos, it's chaos. But to the coach who wrote the play, it's all order. Everybody's going where they're supposed to go. You just don't know because, first of all, you got a weird seat. You're right in the middle of all of it. You don't have that overhead view. And number two, you don't know what the coach knows. So a lot of times we'll sit, we'll, we'll go into a service that seems to be a little bit odd or different and we'll go, it's chaos because we don't get it. When God says, I planned this. I know where everyone's going. I got it. Don't worry about it. It's not chaos. It's order. God is not the author of confusion. First Corinthians 14 is such a wonderful. I'm not asking you to turn there. Don't turn. <laughs> we're not quoting from it. We're just going to say first Corinthians 14 is one of those places where there was much confusion in the Corinthian church, but it was not because they were praying in the spirit. It was because they were doing everything out of the wrong spirit of the wrong attitude. And they were doing it in the wrong time. And you had people trying to preach a message in tongues. And no one was being edified because they couldn't understand what you were saying. Well, somebody has taken that to mean you can't pray out loud. You can't pray in the spirit out loud or else, I don't know, something happens like you spontaneously combust or your ears start burning or I don't know what happens, but, but it's not good. If you have a conversation with me and you talk to me for half an hour in tongues, I will think you're crazy too. I, there's no reason for that. But if you're talking to God... I got no problem with that. You're talking to me? You need to speak English. <laughs> You're talking to God, as the scripture says, a man who speaks in other tongues speaks mysteries, for he does not speak to men but to God. So if you're talking to God, that's cool. I liked people talking to God. There's a time where we come together and we say, Amen. You got that's why at some point we've got to pray in our own language so we can all agree with each other and say amen. So God is not the author of confusion, but often uh, uh, something that will happen is we let ourselves be offended because we stumble over God's way of doing something. Or we often stumble over somebody that God uses, and that is a mistake. We've got to keep our heart open in 2 Corinthians 6. As I said, the Apostle Paul is having to defend his apostleship. 
There are people that are trying to undermine him. I've never had, well, I actually have had this happen. I just forget that it happens, um, that people actively preach against you or, you know, try to, you know, sway people against you. I, I kind of forgot that that happens. Thank God. But but it does happen. But it's not, I mean, this was on a major, this was churches that he had started. And you had people come after him and try to tell them he's not, he's not a real apostle and here's why. And he was having to prove himself again. And 2 Corinthians 6, he, he talks about all the things that he's done to prove he is who he is. In verse 11, I want you to hear this. He says, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. You are not restrained by us but you are restrained in your own affections. Now in like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. What do we see here? We see a man pleading with a congregation, saying our hearts are open. Now you open yours. What I want you to see here is that he says, you're not restrained by us. You're not restrained because we're not the apostles you think we should be. You're not restrained because we don't love you. You're not restrained. You are restrained by your own affections. Have you ever thought that you could be restrained by your own affections? What does that mean? You're held back from receiving from someone that God sent to you because you won't open their heart to them. Now, I know we've all been hurt. We've all been hurt by somebody, and many of us have been hurt by people in authority. But you can't stop opening your heart, and he says wide, to the people that God sends. Now, I say this tonight because I realize that there was a great, there's a great freedom in opening up to the things God does. But, I, but there is always a, a hesitation because you would think of something different or, or sometimes if God were to use somebody else or God do something in a different way. And the, the, the important thing is not opening your brain up to everything everybody says, but opening your heart up to those that God is using specifically in your life to open up your heart. And he says, you're restrained because you haven't learned how to open your heart to us. Could that ever be said about us? That you're not getting Everything that God has for you because you haven't learned to open up your heart to the people that God gave to you as a gift. Now open up your heart. First Thessalonians. And we'll close with this thought. Pastor Brownie preached out of first Thessalonians on Sunday or started there at least um, in chapter two. And I'll just pick up with that. First Thessalonians wasn't filled with the same stuff that Second Corinthians was filled with. It wasn't filled with him having to prove who he was. Second Corinthians, in this letter, he says many things to prove he's an apostle. And one of the things he says, he says, you're our letter. Because what they wanted was, they want, they want him to send these letters. To like a resume, a letter of recommendation. Give me some references to prove you're a good apostle. Hey, hey, these guys say you're not the real thing. We want some references. I want letters from other churches. I want letters from other apostles. And he goes, guess what? 
You're our letter. You're the proof that we're real. Is because look how you're walking. The end of the chapter, he says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. People use that out of context. They use that to mean like, always be checking if you're going to hell. That's not the context it's given in. He says, you want proof? He goes, why are we having to prove ourselves to you over and over again? He says, examine yourselves. See if you're in the faith. Unless you pass the test, unless you fail the test, he says, you really had Christ and it came from us. Therefore, that's the proof. You want proof? We're an apostle. Check yourself. Didn't what we preach to you do something? He says, you're our letter written by God on your hearts, read by all men. You're you're the proof that we're being used by God. And for that to happen, there's got to be an opening of your heart. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says in verse 1, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God. Listen to that boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. So guess what? This proves, first of all, that they're not doing it as a scam, because if it's a scam, you get out of there when it's hard. Scams are supposed to work for you, not against you. He says, we preach among amid much opposition. For our our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by the way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not as pleasing men. Why? Because we've been approved by God already. It's the only approval we seek. Not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know. Nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. So what he's saying is, we do not come to you trying to butter you up so you'd you'd like us. We didn't come to you trying to get your money and just pretending to be spiritual as a way to get money. Obviously, there were people that were doing that. He says, we didn't do it. He says, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. He says, I'm not going to use that right, but I want you to know I have that right. He says that often he goes, I worked. I didn't ask you for money. But in other places, he goes, I could have asked you for money and it would have been right that you would have given it to me. In fact, what we see is the pattern is in when churches were struggling, very poor, very oppressed. He worked among them. But when they were doing better, he said, it's good for you to give to our ministry. He goes, I don't need it. God takes care of me. But it's important for you. You're at a stage where you need to learn to give. So he says, and he quotes back, and he quotes Jesus at one point, and says, a workman's worthy of his hire. He quotes Jesus and says, people that preach the gospel should make their living from the gospel. That's what he says. But he says, I didn't do that because I had to prove something to you. And he says, I proved to you in verse 7, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Big Tough Apostle Paul is comparing himself to a nursing mother. Having so fond an affection for you. Listen to that. Once again, he has the affection, right? That's his affection. He says, my heart is open wide to you. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, 
but also our own lives. Now, I'm, I'm just thinking about this. When I read this, guys, I say, I want this. I want this for our church. I want this for Lloyd Minster. And when I say our church, I mean, please, when we talk about the church, we cannot continue to think about the church as the people that meet in this building every Sunday. We've got to think of the church as Jesus sees the church. As his church. No matter where they meet on Sunday morning, those that call on the name of the Lord, that's his church. And we can't say church and think of this place. We've got to say church and think of the body of Christ. And so when he says this, he says that that we preach to you the gospel. We didn't just give you the gospel. We gave you our lives. And I want this. I want this kind of relationship. And he says, because you become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. Listen to that. Devoutly, uprightly, and blamelessly. You want to rush into ministry? <laughs> Make sure you can meet those expectations. People always want the spotlight, but it's not about spotlight. This is real ministry. You've got to be willing to represent God. You've got to be willing to give something to give your life to something. You've got to be willing to do it amid opposition. You've got to be willing to not just preach a gospel, but but give your life. He says this. Your witnesses and so is God. We'll read that again. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring. That word imploring could be translated testifying to each one of you as a father would his own children. So we are exhorting. That's sometimes that prodding. We are encouraging. We're imploring as a father would to his children so that you would walk. So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you in his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Now, there are two steps in a sermon, two big parts in a sermon. The preaching and the receiving. Once again, to use the football metaphor, one guy's the quarterback, the other guy's the receiver. You got to have both. You can preach and no one can receive and nothing happens. The angels don't just say, thank God we came to this service. You know, they don't need that. (laughs) It's up to you. So he says, we preached, but you received. And when you received the word of God, how did you receive it? You accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. What performs the work in your life? The word of God that you received as the word of God. So here's the power in a service when God preaches and God preaches in many ways. The word is preached through. I mean, listen to this. The scripture says through the power of the spirit, through signs and wonders, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So we know that preaching comes from just what I'm doing right now. Preaching comes from signs and wonders. Did you know that? 
The scripture says it did. Jesus said, if you don't believe in me because of my words, believe in the works because they're preaching about me, too. It's way better to believe in the word than having to see something. But Jesus says, if you didn't believe because you heard something, at least believe because you see something, because most of Israel saw and still didn't believe. So here we go. He says, it really is the word of God. And since you received it as a word of God and not as a word of men, in other words, you judged me after the spirit, not after the flesh. Now that word is working in you because a word from men only goes so far. And a word from men, you can be talked out of it. And a word from men has a limit. And they fall and they mess up and then you stop believing what they say. But a word from God will change your life forever. And he says this, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men. And you may think he sounds anti-Semitic. He's certainly not, because he's actually, he says, you imitated the, the Jews in Judea. He's talking about there are people... Jews that turned to Jesus and there were Jews that persecuted him. And he talks about a third group, Jews who yet haven't made up their mind. But right here, he's talking about the ones that actively persecuted the church. And he says they're not pleasing God. And he says, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved with the result that they will always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, we're all the more eager with great desire to see your face. Now I want I want you to realize in verse 17 that when it says having been taken away from you, that word in the original language is orphaned. Do you see what he, what kind of words he's using in this chapter? We were like a mother to you. I was like a father to you. I was like an orphan. Do you see how much this is how how wide his heart is open? How how much of a family this is? I acted like a mother to you. I acted like a father to you. And when I was away from you, I felt like an orphan. There's that, there's that connection. And that's two-way, guys. You say, well, the pastor just doesn't love me enough. Or that person, they just never call me. Do you know that your phone has, has the ability to dial out as well as receive calls? My uncles and aunts are always like, when are you going to come see us? And I go, you know, the cool thing is, is that I just found out that the planes are flying north now. (laughs) You can come visit us. So there is this opening because you can't minister without being willing to open your heart. Believe me, it's tough because there are a lot of times where you open your heart wide and you just don't know why and somebody just rejects that and it hurts. But by the grace of God, you open it up again. I told somebody one time, uh, somebody had just, you know, left. And, and it was somebody that had at one point said, I will be with you forever. And then it's like, you know, I've had enough. And they, they leave, right? And I said, being a pastor is like, is like getting broke up with and never getting to break up with anybody else. Like always somebody breaking up with you. <laughs> like you're always the one that gets dumped. Like, thank God I got out of that stage. Praise the Lord. Because you can't minister out of that place. That took me like a day and I was out. All right, thank God. (laughs) Because you can't stay in that realm. 
Because you, then you preach out of hurt and then you put up walls. And the same walls that you put up so that somebody can't hurt you actually also prevent the love of God from flowing out of you. You, you just got to open your heart up wide, no matter how many times you've been hurt. I've said this before, but love as if you've never been hurt before. Open up your heart as if nobody's ever rejected you and just let God move. Don't open your heart up to anybody, but to those that are being moved by the Spirit of God. He says, we're all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope? Now listen to this. Satan was putting, I mean, if Paul was hindered by Satan, I've got to believe Satan's throwing everything he's got against them. To stop them from doing what? To stop what we're reading about. To stop that connection. To stop that building that God is doing. To stop that connection of hearts. To stop that ministry that's taken place. Because what we have here is a unique situation where a man can preach and people can receive both with open hearts. And we see such love and such relationship, such connection that, that, that is terrifying to the kingdom of darkness when believers finally realize we are a body We fit together. God is using that person, flaws and all, but he's using them to minister to me. Therefore, I open my heart up wide and Satan hates it. He says in the next verse, for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? It is not even you in the presence of our Lord at his coming. For you are our glory and our joy. Praise the Lord. Now, all of this comes out to say this. We had a great service tonight. I'm very thankful for what God has done. But I want you to learn something from it, and that is that God will use different ways to minister to you. He'll use different people. He'll use different means. And when something goes like you don't expect it, it is a challenge, but it is an obligation to keep your heart open. Keep your heart wide open. Can you do that? Can you keep your heart open and say, when they're preaching, I'm listening for God. I'm not listening for them. I'm listening for God. When they're preaching, I'm going to receive what they say as if God is speaking directly to me. Because then and only then is that word going to perform its work in you when you receive it as the word of God. Word of man won't do a thing. Word of God will. You may say, I am smarter than that guy who's preaching. And you may be right. But that's not why we listen. We don't just listen because they're smarter than us. We listen because they've got the grace of God to say something to us. Why would Balaam listen to a donkey? Because God used the donkey to preach to him. There are going to be times in your life where a guy that you consider to be way stupider than you gets up and speaks. And God will use the foolish the base things of this world, the people that have been rejected by society to confound the wise. And he took somebody you never would have counted for anything to minister to your heart. The important thing is to judge them after the Spirit. And when you judge them after the Spirit, you're able to open up your heart and say, okay, God can use this person. I may be better than them at at anything in the world, but are they being used by God? Now, I mean, at this church, Pastor Brown is, you know, she's pretty sharp. So you may not have had this thoughts about her. I don't know what you think about me. 
But, but there are going to be different people that God uses in your life. <laughs> I hope you don't think I'm too dumb. But there are going to be people in your life that God uses that you feel like, I know more about that or I'm more experienced in that area. Or, or um, I've been hurt by, a lot, by people that were a lot like that before. Just open up your heart. It, when God moves it, when God connects you with people, because God's not connecting you with everybody in the world. There are people you shouldn't open your heart up to. I'm telling you right now, don't open your heart up to anybody. But when God makes a connection, you've got to actively choose to keep it open. And he says, you're not restrained by us. You're restrained. In other words, you're kept back from your own destiny. From the things that God's called you to, you may say, why have I not gotten where I'm supposed to be? And in this case, he says, you're restrained. What does that mean? You're held back. You're trying to run, but something's holding you back. And you say, what am I doing wrong? Am I praying wrong? Am I thinking wrong? Am I believing wrong? Do I have the wrong translation of the Bible? And he goes, you're restrained by your own affections. Because if we let our affections and our emotions rule, instead of the Spirit ruling our affections... We get out of line. So how? Do, what do we do? He says, here's the answer. Here's the prescription. Open wide. He says, our hearts are open to you. Open wide your hearts to us also. In like exchange, as dear children, open up your hearts to us. See again, he calls them dear children. This is love, guys. And you know, I've been praying for this, and I'm going to continue to pray for this. For, for specifically this body here. Now, for the entire church in Lloydminster, I'm also praying. But specifically for, for the folks that meet here, I want there to be such a connection that there is an ease of, 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 receiving, of preaching and receiving that the word is able to be received without having to stumble over it all the time. That you're able to receive with a heart open wide to each other and to those that are ministering. And then when that happens, we're going to be able to go different places. You know, Pastor Ronnie talked about going to different levels and, 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 and not staying in the things you're familiar with. Well, you know what it takes to step out in the areas you're not familiar with? Trust. It takes trust. It takes trust in God, and it takes trust in God and each other. And that's usually the hard part. Trusting you and trusting you, trusting you that you're going to be used by God. And that is what we want to just set your faith towards. Pray about it, that God would show you and God would work on you, that, that even the places you don't remember, you've been hurt, you've been damaged in some area, there's been calluses that keep you from feeling where you used to feel or opening where you used to open, that God would renew those things, that you'd just be like a, a newborn baby who's never experienced hurt in his life. You ever seen a puppy that's never been hit? It's never been scolded, never been slapped on the nose. It just loves everybody. That's what we are meant to live like. As if, like Jesus, who continually was rejected, despised, and hurt, and yet loved without condition. Why? Because all he needed came from the Father. You go through life saying, I need something from you. I need something from you. When people let you down, you're going to be hurt. But if you say, all I need comes from him. And as far as my relationships are concerned, I've got nothing but something to give. And God's going to use those relationships to give something back to me. But ultimately, it's from God, not from men. And that's the important thing. Can we stand up? Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your great work that you've done tonight. Thank you for the 
the, the souls that were touched. Thank You for the bodies that were healed. Thank You, Jesus. Oh, we thank You for Your work. Thank You for, your, for the freedom of the Holy Spirit that You call the shots, Lord. Thank You for, for not deserting us to our own plans, but for, for, for really ruling and reigning. And thank You, Lord, that You've used us, flawed as we are, I mean, as, as, as we might have come to you with limited talents and limited abilities, thank God, by your doing, we are righteous. By your doing, we are sanctified. By your doing, we are wise when we should have been foolish. By your doing, we are powerful when we used to be weak. By your doing, we are bold when we used to be fearful. By your doing, we are whole when we used to be broken. Now, we exalt you, King Jesus, and I can make this commitment to you right now, Lord, that I will see others after the spirit. I will judge them by the spirit and not by their flesh. I will look at them as as you said in Colossians three. I will look at them as somebody who Christ dwells in and I will see no distinction. But Christ is all and Christ in all. Lord, I pray right now that the members of this body would begin to go into a transformation of spirit, of soul, and, and, and of emotion in every area, that you would begin to transform us, that where we are guarded, you would begin to open us up again. Where we've been hurt, you would heal the broken cracks, that we could love without hesitation, that we could receive your word without, without any blocking without any restriction that we would not be restrained in our walk with you because of our affections towards other people but rather we would view them as ministers of God sent to us God I realize that we have more than we ever could know that we have more at our at our disposal than we ever could dream That all things, as you said in 1 Corinthians 3, all things belong to us and we belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. So may we always have that in our minds. That all things that you've given, they belong to us, but that we belong to you. And that's the thing that matters more than all. Open up our hearts again, God. As, As much as we grow, as smart as we get, as... As, as experienced as we get, as mature as we get, keep our hearts open. Return us to our first love, just as you did to the church in Ephesus, who had right doctrine, but it strayed from their love that they once had. Keep us in our first love, in our first love for you and our first love for each other. In Jesus' name, amen.